Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Jay Flores. We are back with another episode of the Talent to Human podcast. This week is going to be very, very exciting. I am talking to someone that I have never met before. This is a change of face. This is not my friend of the year that I love and adore. Um, but um, Martina Witter is a cognitive behavior therapist. She's health and she, she focuses on health and well-being as a consultant, and she uses resilience and emotional intelligence and her knowledge on this to train people to apply these concepts and to basically be better and lead a better emotional life. And I think um, through a comment she left on one of the podcast episode posts that I share on LinkedIn, she said something that stroke a chord with me. And I said, I need to get this person at the po on the podcast right away. And we've been back and forth, uh, missed appointments and all that. And, uh, and now here, here we are. Um, Martina is from the UK and uh, I am in Berlin today. So we are coming to you from Europe. And uh, yes, I wanna welcome to the show uh, our new friend, Martina Witter. Welcome to the show, Martina. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. How was that intro? That was, yeah, that was great. I think that was quite comprehensive. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I, yes, I, I wanted to, to share that and, uh, and also bring you on the show, as I said before, because of, of what you uh, said about emotional intelligence and in that post uh, where it was for for the episode with Lila Smith when we talked about um, being our primary communicator um, when we use our our own voice to to speak to ourselves and how we learn to say things better and I think you mentioned something about how you wanted to apply this concept in your sessions about emotional intelligence with your with your clients and I thought wait who is this person so I have to look you up and I have to learn a little bit about you and without hesitation I sent the message and I said hey I'd love to have you on the podcast write your comment this is excellent um so yeah here we are and uh, we're gonna dive in into a little bit about what you do tell us a little bit about who you are um what you do what got you to do this uh you know share the story of who Martina is Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as Jay has shared, I'm Martina. Um, I'm a cognitive behaviour therapist, so I've been doing that um, for five years, but the kind of, I kind of rewind and um, kind of share my background and why I got into that. I've always had a passion for helping people and wanting to see people thrive and be the best version of themselves. And I've always been quite a curious person, quite... Um, analytical and um, you know looking at people's behavior and trying to understand why we're wired to do certain things so that's what um, that's what led to me pursuing psychology I studied um, psychology at uni and I worked in the National Health Service in the UK and that's where I did my training as a cognitive behavior therapist so if you don't know what a cognitive behavior therapist is what I essentially do is I work with young people and adults across the lifespan who might be feeling stressed, struggling with anxiety, so maybe experience panic attacks, phobias, um, worrying and overthinking, which can be quite common, especially um, in business and in, I guess, you know, some of the um, other industries as well. And then I also work with people who are feeling maybe quite low and we know that, um, you know, mental health affects a wide range of people and we know that one in four people will experience common mental health difficulties and this that's what drives me to to um challenge the stigma to normalize mental health because we've all got mental health and it's on a continuum and i feel that, that, that one of my roles is to challenge that stigma to normalize it and to use various platforms to um to share that that's so that's one of the things that i do then also delivering training as well to organizations to improve productivity and performance and also to help them to boost their profits because a lot of people 
in the workplace are stressed, are anxious, at least 50% of people in the UK are struggling with a mental health problem or difficulty, and that has a financial impact upon business. A lot of money is lost, and I feel that my role is, is to help businesses to, to perform a lot better. And the um, strap line for my company is Rapid Therapy Services, revive, restore, and refocus, and that's what I aim to do in most aspects of my um, of my life and um, my working life as well. So I think that probably summarizes what I do. Yeah, no, that's great. I actually heard two things in there that, that kind of stuck uh, with me. Um, the, um, the fact that you work with companies, I thought I, I, I did, I read an article on Forbes and it prompted me to make a video on LinkedIn about how, how mental health truly affects financially a company like if we don't if we are not proactive towards it as business owners our costs could be immense mm-hmm. um if someone says i'm not feeling well i'm anxious i'm stressed um if the work environment is not you know good so that people mm-hmm. doesn't feel those things mm-hmm. then Eventually, when that happens, when, when people feel stressed, anxious, and they need to take a mental day off, that's cost. Mm-hmm. That's loss for the company. So businesses need to be proactive. Um, insurance rates will go higher if more of your clients are using this mental health and, um, and um, you know, coverage to, to deal with psychology and all that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. All of that, and you know, it's like it's so important what you do. And then the other thing you mentioned phobia, mm-hmm. and maybe you can help me with my spider phobia. <laughs> I could think, <laughs> honestly, there are moments where I'm like more chill about, but there are moments where I'll be running, right? <laughs> Gone, right. <laughs> We've all got some type of fears or anxiety. I think it just depends on the severity of it and, you know, how it affects you on a day-to-day basis. You know, I always tell people when I'm, when I'm kind of given, you know, some sort of motivation, which I also do a lot. I don't know why it comes so natural to me, but a lot of people say that I should be like a coach or, or a motivational speaker. But the, um, uh, I always say the only thing to fear is fear itself, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I think about it and I'm like, well, in spiders, but <laughs> <laughs> that's just me and everyone else up here spiders. Um, but yeah, so, um, this, um, this, this work that you do in anxiety and I want to, I want, I want us to focus a little bit on, on some like specific example, well, not specific, but like hypothetical examples. Like, mm-hmm. um, for example, let's say you're you're talking to to a young adult like mm-hmm. someone in there you know, between 18 and 25 who are either you know pursuing a career at university or trying to build a business as entrepreneur young entrepreneurs or you know going all out to be the next Kanye West or mm-hmm. or the next Ariana Grande or you know some sort of like famous actor or musician mm-hmm. And now they're dealing with, with all this pressure that comes with all of that. Because, you know, when we're in uni, you know, we have like exams and mm-hmm. we have professors that don't get us. And, and then we have peer pressure from friends to go out and have fun. And, and then, you know, like the struggles that we have personally with certain subjects that we might not be so adept to and in and, and others. And like, so it's all of this, in, you know, in, in in there in this basket of of stuff that we, you know that we have to carry around mm-hmm. with ourselves and then you know the, the person that's pursuing the arts and stuff is so sort of saying like you know I have to be better at singing I have to be a better mm-hmm. dancer I have to yeah. be a better actor um, then you have your coaches and your trainers that are telling you no you got to do it again and then you go on auditions and then it doesn't work and you post something on, on Instagram or YouTube and then you get negative fit feedback and positive feedback and how you handle all that. So that goes into their basket. And now we go with the uh, entrepreneurs who are, you know, facing the, 
the naysayers have said, no, you should go to school. Mm-hmm. You can't do this. This is not what is it about. That's, this is not how you build business. So you build business, you go to school, you do this, this, you follow a path. You just don't sprung a business, even though there is amazing proof that that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates left school. The Gatorade people left school. Steve Jobs left school. You know, like there's a bunch of people that have done it that way. Mark Zuckerberg did it. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys from Google, like everyone actually did it. I'm not too sure about Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But <clears throat> those are signs that, you know, there is a possibility for us to build businesses without actually having to complete the schooling. And uh, I think, you know, you, you're a psychologist, right? Well, cognitive behavior, but yeah, my background yeah. is psychology. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, in in that sense, you know, I, for example, I went to school and I, I wound up a physicist. So, <laughs> it's like, does it matter what we do? Does it matter? It, it, if school was going to prepare us for that, no. I learned most of what I know by experience, by doing mm-hmm. and by creating. And I feel like yeah. the school system worldwide, especially for me, like in my opinion, because it's what I know, especially in America needs to change dramatically to be mm-hmm. more of a do system rather than a learn and memorize system. Mm-hmm. Like the standardized testing is BS. The, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is not how you learn. You know, yeah. I can sit right now, ace the test on something because I study and memorize mm-hmm. and still not be prepared to go. I could go and take a test on my name. You give me mm-hmm. and I'll ace that test on my yeah. And I'm going to go to the mine and know nothing about it because I don't know how it's done. I have a mm-hmm. theory of what it could be, but I've never been in the environment. Mm-hmm. I've never been down in the mine at like, I don't know, 60 degrees um, humidity and like dry, and then basically no air to breathe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. know what that feels like. So I may not be able to perform the job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a theory and I think this, and from someone, someone that loves theory from physics, mm-hmm. um, I feel like this theoretical learning style that we have where we sort of learn, you know, this is how you do this. This is how you build a business. Mm-hmm. And, and then what do we do with that education? And, and at the end of the day, all of that, if you combine it together with the anxiety and the, uh, and the pressures that we feel when we're trying to achieve something, that gets to us. What do you tell to that person, that young adult, in those three spectrums, that they need to shut it down? Like, how do you tell them that, you know, how do you build them that confidence? Because at the end of the day, I think what you do is work to build that confidence, to live live that life that we want to live. So I guess you've you've touched on quite a a few areas. So when I work with um, individuals, I'd ask them to, that's what their goals would be so setting smart goals and that will help us to um i guess to to hone in on what they want to address in the sessions and it's important um i guess for us as individuals to think about you know where we are now where we want to be and also considering what are our values you know what is important to us as individuals because that is going to kind of steer us within life our values can serve as um i guess as a compass in our lives so that's with the example that you shared that's what i you know ask someone initially gather lots of information and get i want to get to understand what makes this person tick what is important to them what are their goals so if one of their goals was to maybe you know to to kind of focus on the business focus on the entrepreneurship and building their their empire but there's a lot of worries a lot of challenges what I would help them to do is to become more self-aware initially so maybe engage in some journaling self-monitoring and understand what are those barriers what are those blocks what are those unhelpful beliefs or those self-limiting beliefs that are preventing them from moving from A to B because if we're not aware of them as individuals we're not able to address them and you can feel I guess as if you're in a um, as if you're kind of stuck and and stagnant and that can prevent you from making progress and succeeding but once you've got that insight 
then you're able to to manage and address some of those difficulties as well so that's what i would um, do initially and that kind of ties in with the emotional intelligence as well and that's why successful individuals or businesses tend to have high levels of emotional intelligence as well because they've got that insight that, that self-awareness and they're more able to to self-manage and self-regulate some of those emotions and to to manage those beliefs that they might be experiencing as well and then they're also quite self-motivated and driven which will help with 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 um you know with succeeding in some of those goals so that's what i would look at initially okay no that makes sense i um i think um i think i do uh, myself uh, you know sort of that when i you know when someone asks for advice um i'm, I'm always very conscious of trying to understand and i think one of the things that the that we that we personally have experienced um, is knowing what I can and cannot control. Like I, I used to like feel very frustrated with a lot of things and a lot of aspects of my life because I wanted to have control of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, this desire to like, well, I know my stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have this level of common sense, <laughs> okay, which doesn't truly exist. And, and then when things don't go your way and when people's behavior outside of what you can control doesn't, al doesn't align with what you're trying to or what you see as right or common sense, mm -hmm. that becomes really frustrating. And... Um, I struggled with that for a long, long time. And, and it was that moment of realization when I was like, okay, this is something that's within my control. And this is something that's not. Mm -hmm. Usually the things that I can control, I'm able to solve and move on. But the things that I cannot control, I can't solve and I can't move on from them because there's nothing I can do. So I became stressed and anxious from not being able to do anything. And then one day I was like, how about if I say, fuck it, mm -hmm. I can't do anything with this. Mm -hmm. This is going to go in this new bin that I'm going to call trash. Mm -hmm. and now I can um, move on mm -hmm. because I felt as if that bin might have been a big dumpster that was mm -hmm. weighing on me yeah that you know because like I, I honestly couldn't and um, you know let it go until I until I did and and I think I think a lot of people don't see that, you know, like mm -hmm. people think like, and this is with people that get angry for no reason. This is the people that, you know, start yelling and shouting for, mm -hmm. you know, to people that don't deserve to be yelled at and mm -hmm. shout at yeah. or yelling and shout out to something that yelling and shouting is not going to solve. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's like, that's my thought. Like, <laughs> okay. So what helped you to kind of make that mindset shift in terms of, I guess, you know, letting go really of those things that you couldn't control. Cause that's something that I kind of hear quite a lot. It's interesting um, that you shared that. I don't know. I just, I, I, I think I honestly became tired of it to a level where where it was either I did that as a, as a new idea, as a new thought mm -hmm. of, you know, a new try was to try something different, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not crazy, yeah. but, mm -hmm. or I was going to go crazy by it. Like, honestly, right. like it was mm -hmm. driving me to, to, yeah, it was like, you know, getting out with people on the phone, like talking to the bank and mm -hmm. you know, tossing things in my room for no reason that at the mm -hmm. end of the day I had to pick up because yeah. they were on their end, not doing nothing. And then I had a mess in my room because I made like 
I was having a fight with someone on mm-hmm. the phone. <clears throat> and that mm-hmm. didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's, um, I, I think that was it. Like I was just tired of that feeling. And I, and I know that not everyone can get to that level. I, I mean, I, I consider myself lucky that I did because mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, it's like being awake for, five days and finally getting some sleep mm-hmm. that's kind of how i would describe the feeling of relief that i got right okay yeah like if i didn't sleep for five days and which i've kind of done i think i think maybe three four days i've gone you know like oh, wow i wouldn't be able to do that <laughs> with little sleep in, in between you know so a nap or two you know especially mm-hmm. like in days that you know i have to travel a lot Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, just yeah, let's just say that. Let's say you, you take a, a long flight; it takes forty hours to get to the destination you're going between layovers. And, mm-hmm. and we all know we don't sleep well at airports. We don't sleep well on planes. Mm-hmm. And and then you know you finally sleep. Mm-hmm. And then oh, you so wake okay. up and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> yes, I'm ready to take it. I'm ready to take mm-hmm. a day. And and. Um, I think that's that's what it was. Like that's that's how I can describe that feeling. That once I, I realized, and it felt so good that I immediately took notice of it, and mm-hmm. and I decided that that's what I was going to do. I was going mm-hmm. to, I was going to, yeah, to, to take my time and to, and to basically try to understand each and every situation separately. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, no, that's, that's intriguing. So it sounds like you, I guess, throughout that process, you were able to, well, it sounds like you maybe self-awareness increased. And throughout that journey, you were able to maybe manage some of those feelings that you were experiencing. And then you, towards the latter part of the journey, you maybe discovered that um, you had more control over the future and then those situations that maybe you didn't, you just maybe let go of and you were more more accepting of those things that you couldn't control. And I guess that um, kind of fits with being more, you know, adaptable and, and flexible, which, you know, helps us to, to thrive um, as individuals as, as well. And sometimes when people maybe aren't resilient and, and struggle with coping with change that can um I guess can have a, a negative effect on your well-being and your, and your mental health and there's kind of some research that shows that um when people are more resilient you know they're more optimistic and they have more of this kind of internal locus of control where you know you believe that, that, that you actually are in control of, of your future rather than you feeling that the world you know the outside world and everyone else is is controlling and, and directing your actions your actions and it sounds like possibly I'm kind of hypothesizing that maybe that's what kind of taking place when you went through that journey of um, change and it's great that you were able to to do that without um, you know any external support but I think quite a lot of people would struggle to do that because I tend to you know be sat in a room with people that are in similar um, similar situations really and have to try and help them to gain a bit of insight as to how they've got to this um, position and then provide them with different tools to help them to move forward. Yeah. What are the, um, <clears throat> what are certain things that you, um, that you would say um, are like indicators that someone can kind of like maybe identify at a low level when they need to, when it's time to like either you know, try to become more self-aware or say, I need help. I need to reach out to someone. Because I think that's important. A lot of mm-hmm. young people don't, don't think they have to get to that level. And mm-hmm. uh, it sometimes takes a, a village to push them in that direction. You know, like yeah. the people around them have to say, hey, listen, you need to, or their parents need to say. But I think it's important in, uh, in a way that, you know, to kind of teach people to identify certain key aspects of, of what, what could be, what could be helpful? Mm-hmm. I think initially, um, what I would um, 
suggested that if you notice that you're maybe not enjoying life as you did before, if you're maybe retreating as well in life, that would indicate that you probably need to um, seek some help if help if that you know sense of satisfaction has reduced. Um, they're some of the things that I would kind of um, suggest. And also sometimes people can become quite irritable, maybe quite angry because of that internal um, distress that they're experiencing. And sometimes people don't understand what's contributing to, to that. And there's, um, I guess it reminds me of the, the anger iceberg. And I was sharing this with, with someone, um, I think it was last week, that sometimes what we, uh, we see as individuals is just the kind of fruit of, of something. So we will just see that dis display of maybe aggression or irritability, but it's about understanding what's underlying it. And I guess for that individual, they would need to maybe consider what are the triggers, what's contributing to some of those changes in the behaviors, if it's certain um, situations, certain environments or certain memories that might be causing their behavior um, change and that would that can help um an individual in in realizing that they might need a little you know a little bit of, of support or help when they feel that they're not able to manage um their emotions and maybe for a young person it might be affecting their performance their studies they might not be able to to concentrate um you know the grades might be um, reducing um they might be underperforming there's some of the things that i would look out for and um, with the young people that I work with that's what unfortunately that they tend to to experience as well and, and early intervention is, is important so it's best to to seek help sooner rather than later and that's why I'm, I'm passionate about um, emotional resilience and emotional intelligence because um, the research shows that they're protective factors against stress anxiety and depression so enhancing your resi your resi emotional resilience can help with that as well so when you are faced with adversity or challenges in the future you're better equipped and positioned to manage some of those challenges as well because you'll view them as less um i guess less overwhelming through having more of a resilient mindset yeah no that makes sense and i i, I think you um i think this speaks a little bit about something you mentioned at the beginning where where you said um, you want to normalize um, the stigma of mental health. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, I, there's a show on Netflix called uh, My Next Guest. It's with Dave Letterman. Okay. I actually recommend you to watch it. Um, he, um, my Next Guest, okay. Yeah, My Next Guest. And he's mm -hmm. gotten to interview some of the greatest people in the mm -hmm. world. Um, mm -hmm. Um, you know, from Barack Obama to George Clooney and right. Lala and, mm -hmm. you know, um, Ellen DeGeneres and Melinda mm -hmm. Gates. Um, right. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely be watching that. Yeah. So on, on the first episode of season two, he interviewed someone that I was very shocked to see him interview. Mm -hmm. Interview Kanye West. Mm-hmm. How he did it, and and why Kanye decided to open up in the way he did during that interview about his mental health issues mm -hmm. is remarkable. Um, mm -hmm. And Kanye hit on like he finally got Kanye to say why he's been so outspoken about it, and. And he said, I want to normalize this. Mm -hmm. There is nothing abnormal about mental health issues. There is nothing bad that makes us different. Mm -hmm. There's something bad that affects us and that hurts us. Mm -hmm. So when we see mental health as a bad thing, as mental health just being a bad thing, an abnormal thing. Mm -hmm. We are hurting those, alienating from those issues even mm -hmm. more than we are thinking that we're helping. Um, 
if you're bipolar, right, you're immediately thought of crazy. Mm -hmm. And because you're thought of crazy, it's almost as if all human rights go out the door. Mm -hmm. You don't deserve to be treated as a normal human. Crazy. And what is normal? That's the exactly. That's what exactly. I think. So, what is so for him to for him to like open up in that regard and say, "Hey," and I think this is like the second or third time that I bring this point up because I think it's just so important that we talk about it. Mm-hmm. People with mental health issues, with autism, with ADHD, with with um, mental retardation, with um, bipolar, with schizophrenia, they are not different than you and I who don't mm-hmm. have any of this issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are just as humans as we are. Yeah. But they are as sick as the patient with cancer that we treat with such compassion. Mm-hmm. And they are as sick as the patient with AIDS that we treat with such compassion. Yeah. The Alzheimer person that we treat with such compassion. Mm-hmm. I think Alzheimer is the only one of the mental health issues out there that gets treated with a, a, a higher level of compassion than any mm-hmm. other. You see how they treat like um, people in the psychiatry institutions and like the things that I think we normalize in a way back in the day that it was bad because, you know, we had all these treatments that were like, you know, like electroshock therapy that mm-hmm. so radical mm-hmm. because that was so bad. Like you couldn't be crazy. Mm-hmm. You have to get the crazy out of you. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, this is how you manage your crazy. This is how you live mm-hmm. a life with this issue. And this is how you, and I think we still, leaps and bounds away from actually getting to that point and uh in our society and i mean i don't know what your thoughts are on this but i to me i mean you said something about normalizing and and that's just how i feel i feel like like i honestly i i wish i had and this is one of the areas that kind of causes me a little bit of stress because i wish i had more control and this is why i do this podcast because Right. Okay. <laughs> I've been so passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. I I never really dealt with someone in my family that had uh, mental health issues. I um, my brother has dealt with some anxiety. I have dealt with some, um, you know, dark moments and mm-hmm. and. Uh, but then I know one of my aunt's husband's mother had Alzheimer. Mm-hmm. And my knowledge of it and my, my interaction with it was just hearing the stories of, of how hard it was for the family mm-hmm. to, to see that person deteriorate the way they did and, and to see that person forget and mm-hmm. remember all at the same time. You know, remember the old stuff, forgetting the person that you're remembering. That has to mm-hmm. be heartbreaking things I think and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah me that was like if we don't take care of ourselves we're gonna end up like that and if we don't take and 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 we might not think that that's where we're going but we don't know it's so uncertain there's such a high level of uncertainty with whether we will have Alzheimer's or whether we'll be you know we'll get dementia Mm -hmm. um at some point in our life, in our age, you know, in an older age. Mm-hmm. And, or if, you know, if like Kanye at some point, you know, in his early youth, it's just going to, something's going to flip and bipolar is going to come around. Mm-hmm. And um, all that stuff is like, it's in there. We don't know. There's no certainty. So we, the only thing that we can do is make sure that we take care of ourselves, that we breathe, mm-hmm. that we meditate, that, which mm-hmm. I can't do. I, you know, meditation is just not for me, but I have mm-hmm. my ways to, to find... And th- th- there's other ways. Yeah, you've yeah. got to find what works for you. I, exactly. I've had clients who you know, yeah. used a bit of mindfulness and it's, it's just not yeah. worked for them. We're all wired differently. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but you know, if we do the things that we feel like, you know, whether it be yoga or exercising and mm-hmm. eating better and all this little thing sleeping better sleeping yeah better is so key mm-hmm. yeah a holistic <laughs> approach is, is yeah. great how do you how, actually let me ask you this question how do you think um sleep affects us 
in in the uh, in in becoming better um, at at our emotional intelligence, our cognitive um, behavior in a way. So, like, what happens so, to those that don't sleep compared to those that actually have good sleep? Mm-hmm. I guess if you, if you, if you're not getting um, sufficient sleep, if you're sleep deprived or if you're experiencing insomnia you're more prone to um, experiencing hallucinations because you've not had sufficient sleep. And I know for me, sometimes when I'm sleep deprived or up, you know, working to a deadline, I'm, you know, you're like, oh, you know, did I see something? You know that there's nothing there, but it's because you've not had sufficient sleep. So that's, um, yeah, a lack of sleep can have an adverse effect on your mental health because you can't function. Um, affects your cognitive abilities, your memory, your concentration, your attention span. So you've got to try and, um, yeah, to ha- have a good sleep routine. I think for myself, um, I'm a bit of a night owl. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to improve my sleep, if I'm being honest. Um, but I I'm just feel like I'm more productive early hours of the morning. Um, but that doesn't always... <laughs> that's not always helpful you know work-wise um yeah yeah i um it's funny because um the i've I've done two episodes uh the one that actually went out today and one that went out i think was episode eight or nine um of the podcast and and you know we and on those two episodes i spoke to two different people um one who's uh, gaining an immense amount of knowledge about sleeping and sleep habits and because of how sleep deprived he got. Right. Okay. And how like having this mindset of, you know, I can't sleep. I'm an entrepreneur and I got to work and work and work and work and work. Right. Okay. Crash so hard. And, um, and then, you know, now he's all about making sure that sleep. And one of the things that I learned from him is that when our dopamine levels um, don't go down as we fall asleep, we are technically not asleep. Mm-hmm. We are sedated with mm-hmm. our eyes closed. Our brain is not resting. Our body mm-hmm. is not resting. Everything is at a functioning at the same level and at the same uh, le- uh, le- yeah, level of activity as if we were awake. Mm-hmm. And the more that we are awake, the, the more tired our body is. Mm-hmm. So whether we're sitting or running or dancing or sedated, our body is suffering mm-hmm. from deterioration, from tiredness. Yeah. So the um i think that the uh the the understanding that you know how how important it is for us to to get that rest um is important and um mm-hmm. max who's in today's episode uh, that just went out it's um it's an 18 year old he's um developing this you know pretty cool alarm clock that takes away all cellular waves and everything out of your bedroom Okay, right. While providing you with everything you need to make sure that you get the proper sleep. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, because our, our dopamine levels are going to rise when we know when we're going to wake up. Mm-hmm. So if we have an idea when we're going to wake up, our body starts to wake up on its own. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an unconscious reaction. And, uh, and by allowing... Um, maybe light to be what wakes us up rather than sound because we are more cognitive aware even with our eyes closed of the presence mm-hmm. of life of light mm-hmm. then that's better mm-hmm. you know you take away sound you take away uh, you know sound waves and, and, and you know those those crazy internet waves that are going to kill us at some point <laughs> <laughs> the whole fear with 5G and all, but um, you know, if you get 5G, you're gonna have to turn, you know, turn up, turn off your router every day. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it's one of those, yeah. So to me, that's like it's been it's been fascinating learning about the importance of that and 
and you know that's why I asked you that question about you know what do you feel in that um the uh I think I don't think I've ever thought of the term emotional intelligence mm-hmm. other than than being just aware of our emotions um if you could dive in a little bit more about what it means to have um you know emotional intelligence and and you know whether we need to have a high level of emotional intelligence or does it need to be balanced or if we mm-hmm. just you know say screw it and who needs to be emotionally intelligent like mm-hmm. um because i think that's something that that we need to share a little bit yeah no that, that's fine yeah so emotional intelligence it's your ability to to manage your emotions, to be self-aware of your emotions and to regulate them and then to also manage others' emotions as well. So if you may be with someone who is quite um, distressed, for you to actually acknowledge that they're distressed, to empathise with them, to maybe adjust your behaviour or you know what you may be doing to, I guess, facilitate them in managing their emotions. And then it's also about your social communication as well, your interactions with others, and also self-motivation as well, and empathy. And it's um, emotional intelligence is important in all relationships, you know, one-on-one and also in the workplace. And it's important for managers and also employees to have high levels of emotional intelligence because that will improve the productivity, performance, also enable for example managers to manage conflict effectively and to be aware of maybe some of the um, struggles that maybe some of the employees might be experiencing i think in that setting it's, it's extremely important and a lot of the research indicates that emotional intelligence is um it's a quality that's um you know highly sought after in business and in certain sectors because it can contribute towards individuals being more successful and i know for myself in the past i i um had managers who i would say maybe lacked in emotional intelligence and that i i've observed firsthand the impact that that's had or the adverse impact impact that that's had upon um myself and colleagues so I know I had a a manager who was extremely anxious and I was you know going for supervision and because I knew how she was that was having an impact on me and I'm not naturally an anxious person so I felt that in that setting I wasn't comfortable and I felt as if I was trying to manage her emotions whereas actually she's the supervisor or manager she should be um helping me and it can affect you if you you know, if you struggle with emotional intelligence and it can affect your ability to build rapport, to build relationships, to negotiate, to network and all of those skills, you know, are required um, in the workplace. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to build good relationships with potential customers. Um, and that's what's, um, I guess, going to help with um, with succeeding. It's... Um... Yeah, it's interesting how we how we forget that that is um, you know how how what we do and say can affect others um, in a way that's um, that's you know either positive or negative. You know, like when you, for example, like you you refer to a manager and to someone at work. You know when you got to talk to someone about you know maybe a a performance issue Mm -hmm. you know like if you you know how you say that how you contribute in that conversation it's um it's extremely relevant to managing those person's emotion and like and i think that's so important like you mentioned before like how companies start and then we talked about it how we you know the companies need to have you know a proactive approach to managing these um, these issues, because if you have two hundred employees, chances are that a high percentage of those are very different than the others. Mm-hmm. You can't get an army of employees that all Armenians that and and that have you know this uh, 
um, what do you call it? You know, they you've seen the movie, the, the Minions movies. They you know, I'm not they have, actually no. have not seen <laughs> no. it. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. But because no. they, they all work in the same way. They all have basically like the same personality. They're like mm -hmm. funny characters and they all have the mm -hmm. same objective and um, and uh, which is you know to to follow and to serve the biggest villain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, so you, you're not gonna have an army of, of minions that only, or clones in a way that, that only do everything the same way. Everyone reacts differently. You know, you mm -hmm. and I can be very similar in personality and have much, much different ways on how to handle difficult situations and confrontations. And I mm -hmm. think that's, uh, you know, that, that plays a big role. Um, and that's just got me thinking, uh, as you were speaking, bullying. Mm-hmm. Bullying in the workplace. How do, teach, how do we teach our children emotional intelligence at a young age so that they don't follow or fall down the trap of becoming a bully? Well, that's quite, um, quite a deep question. I think <laughs> for me, um, what yeah I'll, what springs to mind initially because I don't have children but I think about my nieces and nephews and I think I automatically just because of how I am and I think I've, yeah I've got high emotional intelligence levels so if um they're feeling distressed or I can see they're upset um you've got to be able to read someone's body language so if you notice that you know um there's a shift or a change it's about capturing it in the moment so I would, you know, I would say, so how are you feeling? So for a young person, you know, they've got limited understanding in terms of different emotions, but taking them through that process, are you feeling sad? Are you feeling happy? And then thinking about, well, what's, what's caused you to feel that way? What has happened? And throughout that process, being empathic, and then the aim of that would be for them to model your behavior. So in the playground or at college, school, wherever, if they're in a similar situation where another individual um, might, be, might be distressed, then they're able to model that and, and ask that person, you know, how are you feeling? And being empathic, and then that will help to, to build um, their emotional intelligence. And I've worked in the past um, in the learning disability service, so I've used a lot of visual aids as well. So that's something that you could do to, to um, and maybe I, um, I think I was speaking to someone recently. And I know there's certain games which can help you to, to teach, um, help, help you to improve your understanding of emotions. So that's something you can do, doing it in quite a creative way. Um, so yeah, there are some of the suggestions that I would recommend, but I think it's about just make, ensuring that it's quite natural Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. then and I, 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 I basically just thought of it right now and I, I, it hit me because, you know, I do have also um, young nieces and nephews and, and I think of, I, I, I don't like bullying at all. And like, it's always fearful thing that one's kids or niece or nephews might go down that path where they mm -hmm. become the bully. And, yeah. and, uh, and I think it's important for for people to kind of like talk about it. And I, I mean, I, I think this is a little bit outside of the scope of what the podcast is, but I thought it was a, <laughs> a valid thought to bring up. And um, with that, I, I kind of want to say thank you. Um, I think this is this has been a very good um, a very good um, informative conversation for our listeners to. To have um i i tend to keep the uh the episodes where we dive into like all the issues a little bit shorter than the, than, than the rest except for sleep because sleep is so deep and mm -hmm. well now we have two hours and 24 minutes it's funny because both episodes are about an hour and 12 minutes um mm -hmm. long and that wasn't planned but um right. <laughs> but yeah I, I i absolutely loved having our conversation i think uh I think you're an extremely insightful person, and I, I thank you. <laughs> I took a lot, um, a, a lot of value from this, and I hope our listeners did too. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to invite you back at some point, maybe maybe next season, um, mm -hmm. as we 
if we have more um, more context and more topics, I hope you continue to listen and continue mm -hmm. to um, to um, to follow us uh, uh, along the journey here at mm -hmm. Talented yeah. Humans. Uh, we we love having you, um, and uh, yeah, thank you. No, it, it's been a pleasure, and it's been. Um quite insightful for me and thought provoking and I've learned through the process as well of, of the um of the podcast so that's that's great I'm always you know I always like to to learn grow and um yeah and yeah. yeah the idea has always been to you know to, to have these conversations and I don't know if you've noticed that every episode is called a conversation with and then yes I was look yes I was looking um, at on the um the client yeah. earlier, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh it's one of those things that um yeah I want to keep having and keep doing and uh, I you know again thank you so much for being a part of of this conversations for season one. Um, this is very um very exciting time for 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 podcasting and I think um the more value that we bring in this form is is better. Um, mm -hmm. Where can people find you um, other than uh, on LinkedIn or any other platforms? Yes, yeah, so I'm on all platforms. On LinkedIn, Martina Motivator Witter. I'm, we're also on um, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So it's Rafa Therapy Services or you can have a look on my website, www.rafatherapyservices.com. Um, feel free just to send an email or a message if you've got any you know, queries. Um, yes. And this is I'm very open. I wanted to share your information because I think like the people that, that deal with the, uh, you know, with the expert level of, of mental health and different mm -hmm. issues that affect us uh, on our mental health is important. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, you know, I will link all that information to the episode and mm -hmm. uh, okay. I That's post great. it to the, uh, so that we can have it all. And, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, without, without saying any more, thank you again for being <laughs> on the episode. And this has been a really great one. No, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for um, for contacting me about you know about um, I'd say having an it's not an interview, having a conversation. Yeah, no, it, it's been good, and I like the way that you you linked their mental health, emotional intelligence, and you looked at you know how it affects adults, young people, entrepreneurs. I think it just flowed quite well. 